0: Well, hello, everyone. We are back again, this time with a former professor who has shaped and influenced my life. I remember taking a couple of his courses, Dr. Bill Thrasher over at Moody Theological Seminary. Professor, how are you?
1: I'm doing just fine. It's a delight to be with you, Tommy.
0: Yeah. Professor, you know, I think a lot of times for you, I love, 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 love just being in your class. What classes are you teaching now over at Moody Seminary?
1: I'm teaching, uh, uh, a class biblical spiritual formation uh that's a class on in the spiritual life that people from pretty much every program will take i'm also teaching a number of classes in our spiritual formation discipleship program i teach a class in theology and practice of prayer uh, advanced theology of practical sanctification currently teaching class spiritual disciplines and spiritual warfare I have a class spirituality in the family so that's the flavor of some of the classes i teach I, I need everything I teach to others. So I thank God for the opportunity to, to, to share, and that will be true with everything I say today.
0: Now, Professor Latens, you is, you teach a lot of spiritual formation classes. Why is that topic so important for you? Was that something that came over time? Was it something that you had to wrestle with as part of your life? Why is that topic so important to you?
1: Uh, well, thank you. I, You know, I, uh, my pilgrimage, uh, after I went and studied business and at Auburn University a State University and God received God's call in the ministry from there I uh, wanted to go right in the ministry the older wiser men told me that I needed training I certainly did and so I after working in a church for a short time I, I went to Dallas Seminary I mentioned a New Testament Greek in my THM program it's a 120 hour masters and then I was encouraged to go into the doctoral program and did that in systematic theology came to Moody God opened the door there I wanted to be a pastor or a missionary but God Laid teaching on my heart and was merciful to open the door to be at Moody, which I've been there since 1980. Um, As I taught in Bible and theology, um, I was sort of just driven to this. You know, um, I think what Paul says, the goal of our instruction is love from a clear conscience, a sincere faith, and a pure heart. So this is, I think, the drive of scripture. I think it's the number one issue in the church today, whatever it's just what. It's the spiritual formation of uh, it's not just a hobby horse of some people, but what it's the spiritual formation of its members that unleashes them to do their work. I remember um, I mean, it was David Bryant just a number of years ago. And he said, we have the we have the resources, the people, um, uh, everything we needed to evangelize the world a thousand times over. And and I just say, why is it because God's people aren't free? You know, God wants to free us to do his will. Uh, we are, I'm not equipped to do everything. God's uniquely equipped you, uh, Tommy, to, uh, run many, many entrepreneur type ministries. And I, I'm just seeing that from a distance. I praise God for that. The ones that you're seeking to serve and help in many, many places. Um, but all of us can, I think God has that path of good works for each one of us in Ephesians 2.10. He's, uh, I personalized that, but he's created good works pre- that preordained before we were, uh, that we should walk in them. And so uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not saved by good works, but he has a good works for us to do. And we're to be zealous of those good works, as Paul told Timothy. So um, that's a little bit of a long answer. I think God drove me into that just through my study of scripture. Um, and and so it's it's been a delight uh, to teach uh, this to students and people like you. And certainly, as I said, I need everything continually in my life. And so it's a, a joy to continue to learn with others.
0: Yeah. Now, would you say, Dr. Thrasher, this whole topic of spiritual formation from when you had me or even before, has that conversation changed? Are you, are are the students asking different uh, questions about spiritual formation? How has it changed? How is it still similar here in the last decade?
1: Well, I I think, um, I think if anything, uh, since the the need has intensified, I, I think, you know, we are in more of a Uh, post-christian culture i think our uh there's a greater brokenness in our christian culture and so i think the idea of just the level of need um is is and i think that's a biblical understanding of man's need is a big foundation in regard to spiritual formation i think Um, maybe you know we we used to have seemingly a little few more cultural props we had a little bit of wind at our back as i was growing up you didn't have to explain uh, to people, uh, what marriage was, it was pretty assumed to be a man and a woman, but now all those props are gone. And, uh, and so I think in one sense, there is a greater hunger. There's a greater thirst. Yeah. Uh, but you know, every revival that God's ever sent was always precluded by a very dark time. And so, and that's the only thing that would make me optimistic. It is a very dark time.
0: Yeah. 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 Now today, side note: before we start talking about your book, do you like writing, Professor? I mean, I know you do a lot of teaching. Do you right. like that writing? And when you write your book, do you find yourself just saying, "Okay, I'm going to sit here for about a month and just crank it out," or do you do a little bit each day?
1: More, more than latter. And you know, Noma. In fact, uh, when I turned sixty, uh, I remember this podcast I listened to with these three well-known people. Uh, uh, It was uh, D.A. Carson, John Piper, and uh, Tim Keller. And they were talking about what's ministry to look like in your 60s. And I thought, one of the the insights that got me, they said, you know, as you get in your 60s, you don't multitask as well as you used to, but you may drop some things and do some things better than you've ever done them. Well, that hit me. I pondered that for years because I was teaching uh, quite a bit, even overload. And I was also speaking uh, several times a month and even traveling and also writing. I was at one point, I'm about putting out a book a year, and I just said, I can't keep that up. And so painfully, I dropped writing. Um, now, what I did is I started just putting together short videos that I could still get God's word out to people. But, um, and so I put that aside a little bit. And so, uh, my, but I, I was asked to address uh, Moody Publishers, the staff of Moody Publishers, as well as the staff of Moody Radio. And I spoke on how to resurrect the dead prayer life, and they said, We want that in a book. So that's how this book came about. And so it is a delight, and I, I enjoy writing, but not, probably not as much as speaking or not as much as, as uh, uh, preaching. Um, but I thank God for an opportunity in some way to get, I had an email last night, middle of the night, from somebody from um, China uh, that I had in 2014, and she was just talking about the books and how. She said when she came a student. She said, you know, she she says I guess I was just trying to be a little stingy. I just borrowed books from the seniors and I didn't buy your books. But in the semester, I bought every one of them. And so she and talked about it in a sense even recently being used. So that was a really sweet encouraging email I got. I was up in the middle of the night just praying over a matter. And so I got that email and that was very very encouraging. So that's a long answer. Um, you know, I think writing you sort of have to provide all the the spiritual stimulation, like when we're talking, it's just a delight to talk to you. That's sort of stimulating to me. And so in one sense, sort of that is more enjoyable. But uh, but God, I want to obey him to write everything he wants me to write uh, to help God's people.
0: Very, very good. Uh, Dr. Thrasher, I mean, this is in some sense a part two of your first book, which I read your first book, and that was part of Required Reading. Talk to me about your first book and then how this book is a continuation of this uh, of the first one.
1: the first book is a, a journey to victorious praying and um that is has been mercifully widely lovingly received and so that's been a great help to me and um this book it's sort of what it is it's it's an extension of just what it really means to lean upon the Holy Spirit as we pray. Sometimes praying in the Spirit is consigned just to a certain uh, segment of the body of Christ that believes in certain things that maybe we don't feel as uh, aware of. I love the whole body of Christ, by the way. Um, but that is just as we are to walk by the Spirit and uh, be filled with the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't touch the Spirit. That fifth command is to pray in the Spirit. And so, uh, that you know i'm not in any way putting anybody down when i say resurrecting a dead prayer life i'm really talking about my own experience where i was very involved in the activity of prayer um but i feel like my prayer life had died when one morning i just realized lord i'm very involved in the activity of prayer people say pray for this pray for this and i've been in part of the church for about 10 years in regard to that and i've tried to pray for it all and i said i lost really the expectation. Uh, I said, Lord, if you're praying, I expect anything to happen when I pray. And so I said, God, if you ask me to summarize what I've learned about prayer, I said, well, there's two things I keep hearing. And I bought into both of them. The two things you hear about prayer is prayer is very, very, very important. Second thing you hear about prayer is you need to discipline yourself to do it. Well, I've done both. And I say, unless you do both, you know, everything else is theoretical. But I've done both and my prayer life, had had, I felt like it dried up. It's dead. I, I lost expectancy. D.L. Moody, um, the greatest preacher of his day, uh, said, I'd rather teach one person to pray than 10 people to preach. Uh, He obviously greatly believed in preaching. So that just put me on a pilgrimage, and I wanted other people to share with me in that pilgrimage and share whatever God had taught me and what God wants to teach them about how do I avail the help of God's spirit. I'm not, it's not just, I'm not supposed to be able to do this alone. Uh, I'm not supposed to be able to drum this up. And so that's what the book is about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned one phrase that caught my attention, expectations in prayer. That's more than just feelings, isn't it, doctor? It's more than just, I'm not connecting with God. Talk to me about expectations of prayer.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's um, God tells us to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mind. Um, I was asking God one day, God, what does it mean to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his mind? So I didn't anything else to is something, something anybody else could do. I just looked at all the particular references of that Greek word translated, there be strong. And uh, two stood out in a special way. It says, Abraham was strengthened to believe, Romans 4.20. You know, you need. I live in a world of unbelief. And, you know, there are times in a day that uh, this is the thought that's controlling us. We wouldn't sign our doctrinal statement this way. But the thought that's controlling us is, Lord, it's totally up to me to figure this out. It's totally up to me to work this out. And uh, now we wouldn't sign a doctrinal statement that way, but that's we're, that's what's controlling us. And so we need strength to believe God. I live in a world of unbelief, and uh, we need strength to believe God. And God wants to strengthen us to believe them out. Also, like the, the place that stood out there was in 2 Timothy 4, almost the last, uh, certainly the last chapter the Apostle Paul ever writes in Scripture. And he says, At my last offense, no one supported me, they all deserted me but the lord stood with me and strengthened me when um i like that quote by the german reformer martin luther where would you be if all your followers were to leave you he said i'd be right in the very hands of god and so uh god can strengthen us when everybody else you know when when our precious lord chose his three closest human companions to go with him and and to gethsemane and pray with him they let him down they fell asleep but the lord still supported him and prepared him for that critical moment
0: Yeah, yeah. One of the parts in the chapter I love is that as we pray to the Lord, we need to always be open to these two questions. I'd love for you to talk about these questions. Number one, are we willing to adjust our lives in any way that God will direct us to? Number two, are we willing to involve our lives in the answer to our prayers? And sometimes that means being open and being willing to hear something we don't want to hear.
1: You know that's very true uh, i mentioned just as a uh, maybe uh many uh, if they're a little bit older they can remember 2001 and i remember being at moody lecturing in a class when you know that uh, the, the twin Towers had been hit and um they came in and they i was lecturing on the sovereignty of god and the and the mercy of god and, uh, but i remember i probably was too leisurely getting home because when i came left Chicago, it was literally a ghost town. And my wife told me I was too leisurely getting out of there, but I took the train home and I gathered my little family. My boys were younger then and, um, and prayer was very, everybody was interested in prayer that night. They had all these things on the uh, radio and TV about prayer meetings that were going on. And so as I gathered my little family, I remember what God, spirit, uh, you know, obviously, I, I had students in my class just weeping, 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 because they knew people in those twin towers. Um, we're working there that day, and so I just thought about this senseless murder. Uh, but I remember as I was praying, God brought that mind. It says, "If you've been angry with your brother, you also have been guilty of murder." And it was like, "Tell your, to tell your sons and and your wife that you too are a murderer." Now that wasn't my that wasn't my agenda, you know, but but that was God's agenda. So I think when we come, always be willing to let God do a working. You know, wherever I go, I bring me. And so, uh, if the uh, Lord said, if you come and seek to give your gift at the altar, discover your brother something, get you, go make that right. Uh, and so, willing to let God do a work in you, willing to let God do work in you. And also, being willing to cooperate with Him. I remember being in a prayer meeting, and we just prayed all over the world. And at the very end of the prayer meeting, the leader said, let's all get on our knees and let's tell God we're willing to do anything He would ask us to do to be an answer to these prayers and so that puts integrity in our prayer life and so those two things and so i thank you for being so alert to to grab a hold of that phrase you know being willing to make any adjustment he wants us to never be afraid of what god would ask you all he wants to do
0: is yeah yeah dr thrasher i've been studying first Kings 17 18 the life of elijah and he goes and is sent uh the uh, the Gilead? Uh, no, uh, I completely blanked out. But he was sent over to talk with Ahab, right? And yeah. then later on, he's supposed to go to Cherith, and after that, he's mm-hmm. supposed to go to Zarephath. And, the God, and God sends him and says, "Go a hundred miles to Zarephath, and there you will find a woman. And that's this that's woman, this widow, is picking up sticks. And she tells her, "I have no food, but I have a little flour. I have a little oil. I'm about to make it, and then so that my son and I could eat it and die." Sometimes God knows where you are. Sometimes God sends you. It may yeah, not be yeah. what you expect it to be. Right.
1: Right. That's very, very true. That's very. we need to be listening to him. And, and we we'll, you know, the very encouraging thing, God won't make you irresponsible. You know, in the early church there in Acts 13, as it says in Acts 13, too, they were ministering to the Lord. They were worshiping and praising him. And God says, Paul and Barnabas, I've got a missionary trip to you commission them and send them away. You know, uh, we don't have to, what, ignore God and to, to, to do his work. He won't make us irresponsible. As we're praying to him and worshiping him, he'll show us what our part is. And yeah. uh, that's a great example there from Elijah. And that's just another one there from, in Acts 13.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or another, a lot of times I was just thinking about, look at uh Matthew, right? Jesus goes up to Matthew and says, as a tax collector, pack up your things and follow me. But right. for Zacchaeus... Who oh, climbs up a tree looks ridiculous in doing it. Is criticized by everyone. Sees beyond them, sees Jesus in the in right off in the distance. And Jesus, what does he call him? Do not to drop everything, and follow him, but to stay as a tax collector. Sometimes right. he calls you to do things that you may not want to do or expect him to do.
1: Sure, that's a good observation. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord, not just somebody else, even an obedient servant, that we respect that he's doing. we got to keep our eyes
0: on the Lord. Don't we? Yeah. Uh, another part that I want to talk to you about is praying with humility. Seeking humility means not yeah. trying to be God. What does it mean to approach prayer with humility? We'll have a whole
1: chapter on that in, in chapter four. One, one of it is, is don't try to be God. You know, the idea of, God. and I gave several points under regard to that. Um, you know he is um he's the lawgiver and the judge and so he says i don't i can't set myself up as the ultimate lawgiver and accuser of anybody they don't stand before me they stand before god uh, also realize he's the one who controls the future uh, when you pray don't say i'll do this or that say if the lord wills uh he's the source of every blessing and uh so i give several things about don't try to be god also it's when we come to god um uh, if you're fearful, you need to acknowledge that fear. Come to God, and recognize your need. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, "The prayer that precedes all prayers, this: Let it be the real I who speak. Let it be the real Thou I speak to." And so, we we come to God. We come to God in reality, in the reality of a heart. Okay, if you have if you have fearful, talk to God about that fear. Admit your fear. If there's guilt, confess that sin. Um, if you feel inadequate, confess that. Um, scripture says it does not lie within us to direct our path okay god i need a shepherd uh, you you guide me so I, I have several ways even i need his protection i need his help uh, The psalmist says we have enemies that are too mighty for us uh, psalm 18 17. Uh, so come to god and that of course if you come to god in humility then you also can receive uh, come to god in need but you can say also uh, okay god uh, i am loved you, you you can be humble and realize your love by the grace of God. You can be humble and you can be confident because it, you can be humble and realize you're gifted as, as, as each one has received a special gift employed in serving others. So talk about, you can claim his promises as you humble yourself before him. Don't try to deserve them, but 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 receive them. So um, that's a, a key part. It's actually Zephaniah 2.4 that put me on that pilgrimage. It's a little yeah. verse in that prophet book, seek humility. How in the world you do that? And so that's...
0: Trying to, what I've tried to learn from that in regard to that, yeah Last night, Dr. Thrasher, I was sitting in the hospital room and with this one friend who was dealing with lung cancer. She had stage four lung mm. cancer. Mm. And it went to her brain and she had brain cancer. And last night around 1.30 in the morning, it was just me and her because she wanted someone to stay with her. And it was mm. my night to stay with her. Wow. And she passed away. And oh. I, I there I watched Someone just passed right there. Wow. And Dr. Thresher, I still remember a couple of days before we were talking and she kept telling me, I pray, but God is quiet. Mm. God doesn't answer. Mm. What would you have said to her, Dr. Thresher?
1: You know, that, that's a good question. I'd be hesitant to just say, you know, since uh, hopefully God would have given me sometimes uh, to weep with those who weep uh, is what you have to do and i'm sure that's the way she felt in that incredible need i haven't been in that exact need or whatever but you know it, it's here's the, the thing is that um, uh you know you i don't think i would have said this to her but i do know it's true that you know that many many years ago i heard a freshman student in a class quote this thing and i quoted it and put it in a book and my ministry spread it to the world basically is that god's will is exactly what you would desire if you do all the facts you know, we don't know all the facts inside out of heaven. You know, if it's truly my time to go, um, and I would, I know I'd be no help to anybody else. I want to go. I know I'll go to a better place. Now I'm not saying that's what I would feel. I would not saying that's what I would say to that person. Uh, that's very, very difficult. I think for your compassion, I think your presence probably said more than anything, uh, yeah. it showed her worth her, her love for her. And so I appreciate that. But, um, uh, you know, I do talk about there in the book, how, how to pray when we don't know how to pray. Uh, how God's Spirit actually sleep with those growings too deep for words.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I realize Dr. Thresher, even when I went through my cancer and radiation, mm. I lived with pain for about eight, nine weeks. Wow. Dr. Thresher, I didn't know how to pray. My heart right. kept telling me right that are you are you why are why are you trusting this God? He put you here. Look yeah. at how you've served him on He put you here. You know, mm-hmm. I, I found myself praying, Dr. Thresher, Lord, mm-hmm. give me the strength to dwell on your words. Give Amen. me the confidence yeah. to trust yeah. your words. I found myself just praying that. And Lord, let me trust and remember your words to guide me and give me the strength to continue to follow God. you.
1: Well, now that's a beautiful experience. You know, old spiritual life, right? As you see, to describe the experience as the dark night of the soul. It's when there's actually absolutely no emotional reinforcement to the truth of that verse. And and you're just, it just, okay, God, I'm clinging to it. I believe it, uh, but God, I have no feeling in me. And uh, quite frankly, it's it's very difficult uh, to be godly when you're in excruciating pain. Um, and so, we, you know, that's, I think you probably were the person to sit with her at that moment, and yeah. I'm saying you were probably more equipped in a sense to whatever you did say or didn't say, and sometimes being silent and just showing an expression of love yeah. is all you can do.
0: Yeah, I still remember uh, initially my prayer was, Lord, please, if it is your will, mm. give me some relief from this pain, give Amen. me some relief, spare Amen. me from this pain. It was quiet, it was. Mm-hmm. And I realized a lot of times mm-hmm. it was the words of Joshua where God encouraged him or challenged him to continue to meditate on his words. Wow. And then eventually I changed my prayer and says, Lord, let me cling upon your words, allow mm-hmm. me to hear your truth, allow me to trust you with my mind, and allow me to see you. And that was the prayer that got me God. through it. Well, praise God. I
1: praise God. for I worship him for the grace he poured upon you to get to get. You threw that, or whatever. I knew something of that, and was praying for you in the midst of that. I knew it was it was it was quite painful. I'd heard that.
0: Yeah. From your oh. book, I, I the one the one entity that, or one thing is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We, we tend to avoid the Holy Spirit at the church, but you seem to embrace it a lot of times. Yeah. Why is the Holy Spirit such an important conversation in the topic of spiritual formation and in our lives, and why do we sometimes avoid talking about it?
1: Well, you know, there's a subjective aspect to it. I know uh, I, I talk about there in the beginning of the book, even my own experience. Uh, uh, I was I came to Christ at a Billy Graham Crusade when I was 13 years of age. I was raised in a denominational church, and the gospel really wasn't clear. Uh, eternal life was sort of like a wish to me. That's about all it could be. I'd, and I would pray about it. Lord, if it's if I'm to die, would you help me somehow to, to go to heaven? I feared judgment. I had no assurance understanding the gospel but billy graham came to my hometown preaching the local football stadium i learned later he came he had come there by presidential order uh, lyndon johnson had called him up and said look your gospel is only thing that can do anything for that racial crisis there so i praise god he counseled the european vacation he came there and preached eight days there and, and i heard the gospel well i would read the bible every day after that i think it was a genuine conversion but i i really still was very uninformed didn't really know how to grow or develop my mother sort of My my youth group, she thought was a terrible, and it was a bad peer influence, So she didn't want me to go to that. So it was just a a dark time. Now I went, uh, joined the Air Force Reserve right after high school. And then I went to college uh, a quarter later, uh, started in the winter quarter and the fall quarter. And I pledged a fraternity, the one that my brother had pledged at this State University, Auburn University. Well, my second year, I wandered into the room of a fraternity brother, and I didn't even ask a question. This is an unusual fraternity brother. He had pledged that fraternity to lead people to Christ, and that's usually not why people join the state at State universities fraternity, but uh, he had done that. And so I went into his room, and he began sharing with me the little booklet uh, that Crew used to use, maybe they still do. Have you made the wonderful discovery of the spirit-filled life? And I hung on every word. I said, Lord, there's a resource in the Christian life I know nothing about. Uh, I mean, we recited the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. I believe in the Holy Ghost, but I, I had no practical understanding of what that meant. Well, he gave me a little book to read over the Christmas holidays at the C-T-Sembers that members without going to his room. And then we had decided that we would room together the next year. And there I saw before my very eyes, wow, the reality of this. And I began to grow. I began to appropriate. I began to get involved in ministry, begin to incorporate the spiritual discipline in my life. And I saw that he prayed, so I began to pray. So really, it was this Spirit of God that sparked. Uh, my whole Christian experience. And uh, I think if a person, if the devil can't keep a person getting saved, I think he tries to keep a person from understanding this. Uh, because see, our our life, I don't care who you are, how gifted you are, whatever, it's no threat uh, to Satan's kingdom. But God can take our feeble words, our uh, and, and them by the God's spirit, and he can lodge truth in people, and he can change lives. So now I had to rediscover that, as you see in the book, in regard to, hey, I'm not adequate to even pray. <laughs> I need God's spirit to help motivate and guide and empower my prayer life. So uh, that's part of my pilgrimage. Then I have to continually rediscover, Tom.
0: Got it. Yeah. Well, uh, the part that just got my attention is what you just said. You're continuously rediscovering. You're not content. You're always mm-hmm. seeking. And you mentioned you're past 60 years old, but you're still discovering you're still looking you're still seeking
1: absolutely i think god does something in every area of our life to to make us sense our need for him and the adequacy and the adequacy him in fresh ways i think there are special battles at every stage of life um, sometimes there can be special battles at the end of life or whatever. and uh, but god's adequate at every stage god's
0: adequate at every Yeah. 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 All right. Two more questions, two different questions separate from your book is I was just intrigued by the Billy Graham crusade. What was it about Dr. Graham that convinced you and did you get out of your seat and walk down? Because I've never, I've seen on TV, never had the experience of ever seen it.
1: I certainly did get out of my seat and and walk down. I was, I was moved that night and uh, I just, there was the authority that he spoke with there was the clarity of understanding for the first time the gospel uh i had been in a uh i think my fourth grade sunday school class i remember the teacher saying if you could just have one wish what would it be and so here are a bunch of fourth graders we were just saying various things I, I i you know what immensely came to my mind my one wish was eternal life it really was but people were what they were saying was just totally different on a different realm so i didn't say anything but i remember when the teachers spoke after the students had uh he said his wish was eternal life but we left it that way it was a wish it was not something you could know but that night when he spoke with certainty and conviction that what christ had done and how christ had shed his blood and paid for my sin i knew it was a sinner paid for my sin, and and he offered me forgiveness and complete acceptance i came I, i i i walked down and that was very very special um that night in in crampton bowl that local football stadium there uh and I will never forget
0: that. Yeah. Dr. Darcher, did you ever have a chance to meet him?
1: Uh, n- well, no, but he did come and speak at the dedication of the, uh, the. I was close to him in a sense, uh, geographically close to him. When he came, he spoke. I remember when he spoke at the Billy Graham uh, Museum there in Wheaton College on the lawn. I was there when he preached. Of course, he came to our hundredth anniversary at Moody, a centennial anniversary of our hundredth anniversary. George we invited him, and he came and he spoke there. So um, he was a, a man of integrity, and uh, I, I praise God for that. And uh, so I, I do. He was the man of the hour when, when we had a crisis yeah. in our nation. So yeah. I do thank
0: God for that. And I feel in this generation was a guy who just recently passed in the form of Tim Keller. I think oh, his yeah. logic, his writing, oh, all of that stuff yeah, had a yeah. huge impact on the church.
1: He certainly did. Certainly did. Yeah, he is greatly missed. He had a significant impact. Great work there in New York City. Um, a brilliant professor, but his work as a pastor and church planner, and also aiding people from all walks of life to live for Christ, was very, very special.
0: Yeah, you probably and knew Ken- him.
1: You probably knew him personally, didn't you?
0: Yeah, and I got a chance to work with him on his Los Angeles uh, conference as well as Chicago. And the one thing that people said uh, 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 about Tim was that he was so secure in himself. He was secure in what Christ had made. I I remember sitting down and hearing Mm -hmm. this one young lady said to him, "Uh, Dr. Keller, how do you feel that people, you're a celebrity? And he Mm -hmm. said to this young lady, he says, you should never feel comfortable that someone worships you. Mm. And and he started telling this young lady about how when he was planting church in his early days, he was just always failing. It just never went well. But it was during those years God made him secure in who he was, a child of Christ, a a servant of Christ. And so when he started getting recognition, it didn't bother him because he was secure in who he was.
1: Well, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's a powerful message. Praise God.
0: Yep. And last question, Doctor Thrasher. And it's a fun question for you. Auburn football. How would you fix yeah. Auburn football?
1: How would I fix it? Well, yeah. you know, we do have a first new first year coach, and we we do have a winning record anyhow. So we'll go to a bowl. Uh, if it, it, things fell apart last year, and uh, I still follow it, you know, but we're six and four. We got another game Saturday, and then play Alabama on Sunday. So, um, you know, I. I do know the chaplain and he's had a wonderful impact there. Chet Williams. um and so i do make sometimes i am going to go down there spring break and sometimes i've had the privileges of to meet some of the the people in the staff uh, in times past even give them some of my books and and pray with some of the coaches i mean i'm i I'm don't do that on a regular basis but i try to get down there i know of a significant church that uh I've, I've led a beginning prayer meeting for them they have dedicated first week in January or so to prayer and I spoke there every night one year. So um I love love that place. That's where my pilgrimage started. And so um, one day I thought that hey I would go back there and that's where I would end in my but I think I'm gonna be right here in Chicago. And as long as Tommy's here I'm in good I'm in good stead. So I'm glad <laughs>
0: you're
1: I plan to stay and, here.
0: And you're in the Wheaton area, right, Dr. Thresher? Uh,
1: yes I am yes I am
0: got it got it got it well Dr. Thrasher thank you very much not only for your years as being a wonderful professor to me writing a wonderful book that I love in prayer but even this wonderful book how to Res- resurrect a dead prayer life Dr. Thrasher are you on social media are you do you have a website where where can people find you
1: wwwvictoriouspraying.com wwwvictoriouspraying.com is my website so there you can click on books and it'll show all the books I've written Click on those and give you a link to order it. I also have free things on there in regard to articles and, and uh, videos that we post each week. So anyway, that would be a help to you or your, your the ones that you minister to. That would be a delight.
0: Thank you, Dr. Thresher. Yeah. Thank
1: you very much, Tommy. It's a pleasure to be with you. I praise God for your life. See you soon.